0: Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson.
1: I think of that great Jim Elliott quote: He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. We can't hold on to our fame. We can't hold on to our greatness. We can't hold on to our materialism. It's all fleeting. It's all gonna go. But if we put it at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, my life is yours then we are setting ourselves up for the future.
0: Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Colossians. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Colossians chapter 2 verses 1 through 23 in a message titled The Sufficiency of Christ. Now here's Pastor Brian.
1: Of course, in the first century, they had the same problems with this passion and these sensual lust and desires, and many of the worship means in those days, the, the idolatrous temples and so forth, they revolved around these passions, and so the passions, the desires of the body, sexual. Or it could just be greed. It can just be selfishness, those kinds of things. So he's talking about that. He's talking about the lust of the eyes. And you could just define this as possessions. The lust of the eyes. I see that. I desire that. I want to possess that. It could refer to materialism. And then finally, he says the pride of life which speaks of position. And so these are the things in the world. This is what people fixate on. They want to gain a position in the world. They want to make a name for themselves. They want to have notoriety and so forth. These are the things that those who are earthbound, these are the things they're consumed with. Paul says, not so with you. Don't fixate on the things of the earth, but rather, he says, on the things that are above. And then he says, for you died, for you died. When Christ died, we died with him. That is taught over and over again in scripture. One of the main things Paul longs for the new Christians to realize is what is already true of them in Christ. Because Christ and his people are so closely bound up with one another, he lays it down as a basic principle. What is true of Christ is true of his people. So he died, we died. We died with Christ when he died. Now, it may not feel like that at times, right? Isn't it true that a lot of times we feel like our passions are very much alive. We feel like our desires for the wrong things are very much a part of who we are. This is where we have to understand how this works. As a Christian, Paul tells us that we are to reckon ourselves to be dead to sin. Now, we died with Christ But even though we at times don't feel like that, we are to consider that to be the reality and we are to act not upon how we feel, but we're to act upon that fact. And so, although it may not feel at times like we died with Christ, learning to believe what doesn't at the moment feel true is an essential part of being a Christian. It's an essential part of being a Christian. You see, if I'm gonna make headway as a Christian, if I'm going to grow and be freed up from those things that hold me down, I've got to begin to recognize that it doesn't matter how I feel. This is where people are tripped up all the time. And especially in this current moment in the history of Western society, especially where everything comes down to what you are, what you feel. The Bible says, no, And if you're in Christ, you are absolutely not what you feel. You might feel very much alive to sin. You might feel very much alive to certain passions. You might still be very much attracted to certain things, but know this, you're dead. That's what you need to know. You're dead. And so even though it doesn't feel like you're dead, you need to know that you're dead. This is what the life of faith is about. This is how we walk by faith. I say, I know I have these feelings, but I also know a greater truth. And the greater truth is that I'm dead. So I do not let these feelings control me. I let God control me. I let his word direct me. I let his spirit empower me. And I trust that these feelings will get dealt with along the way. I don't give in to the feeling. And so when Paul is talking here about Having died, what what is he talking about? That we've died too. Well, we've died to the world. We've died to the, this this world and all of its glitz and all of its glory and all of its attraction and all of those things. The, those things are now dead to us. So the world is to have no more power over us than it would over a dead person. A dead person is not attracted to the world any longer. They're dead. And so even though we might feel attracted, we have to just stand on that reality, you know, I'm dead to this. And so I'm going to conduct myself as though I'm dead to this. And like I said, then the feelings will, will change, at least to some degree, enough to bring us out from under that heavy kind of bondage and oppression. But we're also, we died to sin. And again, this is where Paul says that we are to reckon ourselves to be, Dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ. So sin is to have no more power over us than it would over a dead person. A dead person doesn't sin. All of that is now the past. So we died with Christ. That's what Paul is arguing here. And thirdly, we died to self. We died to self. And so often our biggest problem is that we're still way too much alive to self, or we're feeling that we're alive to self, and then we're acting on those feelings. A fundamental fact about the Christian is that we have died with Christ. So that's a truth. That's a fundamental biblical truth. And now we're to live out that truth. And Paul puts it like this. He says, therefore, we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Paul says, this is how we understand things. That if one died for all, Christ died for all, then we all died. So we're no longer to live for ourselves, but we are to live for the one who died for us and rose again. You see, the Christian is one who is living for Christ. We're living for Christ. We're no longer living for the world, we're dead to it. We're no longer living to sin, we're dead to it. We're no longer living to self. We've died to self to live for Christ. And then he says, for your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. You see, our best life is not now, our best life is later. God has a life for us in eternity, He has forever. He has a life for us there. And so our life is hidden now with Christ in God. That's how I need to understand my life here in this world. I'm no longer my own. I was bought with a price and now my life is hidden. My life is tucked away in Christ, waiting for that time in eternity when Christ who is our life appears, we're going to appear with him and then we will live our best life then. And you see, the early Christians understood this, and many generations of Christians have understood this, and Christians today understand this, but we've got to make sure we all understand this. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. You know, this passage, this verse speaks to me about all of those who, for Christ's sake, have chosen to live and labor in obscurity to live and labor in obscurity, hidden away perhaps from the eyes of the world, living among some unreached people group, feeding on Christ for their fulfillment and content to one day hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, this has been the story of many of God's servants over the years. They really grasp this fact that my life is now hidden with Christ in God. They came to Christ and the life that they had. I think of two people that come to mind. I recently heard about them on the wonderful podcast, Women Worth Knowing. Two people that they talked about that, that exemplify what I'm talking about here. One was named Lilius Trotter. And Lilius Trotter, back in the 1800s, she was an amazing young woman, very, very gifted artistically. Part of the aristocratic community in London, and on her way to being an artist all you know, in her own right. And yet in her faith in Christ led her to just get up and leave it all behind. And she went and she spent the majority of her life in North Africa ministering in the regions there to those large Muslim populations. But the point is, she left this position in society She left this promising career that would have elevated her in the eyes of so many, probably made her personally wealthy and certainly would have given her the kind of notoriety. Her her gifting as an artist was such that had she not done what she did in art school today, you would be probably referencing her. That's how amazing her gift was, but she left it all behind. And she went off and she lived a life of obscurity there in North Africa. She served Jesus, her life, and and basically just gave it up. And that's what we're talking about. Your life is hid with Christ in God. And so for us today, when we come to Christ, now it's time to, okay, Lord, I came to you. You created me, first of all. You purchased me with your blood. I belong to you, Lord my life is not mine. My life is yours. And we allow him to do what he wants to do. Another example really quickly is a man by the name of C.T. Studd. It's all, all of these people often went by their first <laughs> and middle initials and then their last name. But C.T. Studd is another case in point. He was a uh, Great cricketer. Now, in case you don't know what a cricketer is, a cricketer is a person who played cricket. Now, cricket is a game that I think was invented in England. It's a game that's very famous all around the world, especially where the British Commonwealth is or the British Empire once extended its power. Everybody around the world knows about cricket except Americans because we don't play it. I lived in England for some years, and I still can't make heads or tails of cricket. But anyway, C.T. Stead was this extraordinary cricketer. He played for Cambridge, Cambridge University. He was from the aristocracy. His family was extremely wealthy. And while he was playing cricket at Cambridge the American evangelist D.L. Moody came to Cambridge and he preached. And this tr- changed the life of this young man, C.T. Studd and a number of others. There's a book, if you can get a hold of it, called The Cambridge Seven, which is fantastic about these seven young men in Cambridge University who came to faith and then went and impacted the world as missionaries. But what they did, C.T. Studd, what he did is what this verse is talking about. His life was hid with Christ and God. So he not only gave away his fortune, he had a a tremendous fortune. He gave it away for the sake of the gospel. And then he went and he lived his life in obscurity. Now, some people would say, what a waste. This guy was maybe the most well known cricketer of his generation, maybe the best player of his generation. And he just walked away from all of that to go live in. Where did he go? He went to. China. He went to India. He died ultimately in Africa back in the late 1800s period of time. I mean, why didn't he just take his cricket skills and serve Jesus with that? Now, he probably could have done that. But God called him, obviously, to something else. And for him, he understood that I died. C.T. Stud died. And now his life is hid with Christ in God. And he went off into these obscure places where people couldn't care less about his background. They couldn't care less about his fame as a cricketeer. All they knew is this man has brought us the truth of eternal salvation. And, and when I think of Lilius Trotter, when I think of C.T. Studd, and of course, those are going back a number of generations. And there are people today that we could see similar things with, but this is the idea that we give ourselves over. We recognize that we died. We died to the lust of our flesh. We died to religious systems that that we're trying to improve ourselves through. We died to our personal ambitions and desires for greatness. And we have just allowed God to take what is rightfully his, our lives and do with him According to his purpose. Our lives are hidden with Christ in God. And then he says this: when Christ, who is our life, appears. You see, there's nothing that we give up that will not be replaced by the Lord and a million fold. At one point, remember the disciples themselves the apostles the followers of jesus they said to him lord we've given up everything to follow you what what does that look like for us jesus said no one's given up anything father mother family property wealth no one's given up anything that they won't be reimbursed a hundredfold in this life and then life in the age to come so you see as we lay down our lives for christ as we allow our lives to be hidden with christ in god We're not losing anything, at least not in the big picture. We might lose something temporarily, but what we gain, even in this life, far outweighs that. I gain a relationship with Christ. I think of that great Jim Elliott quote, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That's it giving up what we cannot keep. We can't keep our lives anyway. We can't hold on to our fame. We can't hold on to our greatness. We can't hold on to our materialism. It's all fleeting. It's all gonna go. But if we give it up now, if we put it at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, my life is yours, then we are setting ourselves up for for the future. And when Christ who is Keyword, our life. That's the key. Christ is our life. And that's really what Paul's talking about through all of this. Again, remember no, don't go back, don't drift into these religious things. Christ is your life. And that's what the Christian life is. You know, I was talking to my grandson just yesterday, and he was telling me how he's realizing. And and he's, he's seen it all around him. He used to be part of a youth group in New York City where he lived. And he was telling me, he said, you know, not one of those kids in that group are walking with Jesus today. And he said, "It's it was really troubling him. And he said, but you know, I've, I've been realizing that you gotta give it all. You gotta give everything to Jesus. And I said, yes, amen. And that is exactly what we do. Because Christ, if we are believers, Christ is our life. He's our life now. He's our life into eternity. And when Christ appears, verse four, then you also will appear with him in glory. Let's never forget this. Christ will come again. We need to remember that. We need to remember that Everything that Jesus did when he came the first time was all preparation for his coming again. You see, when Jesus came the first time, he laid the foundation for the kingdom. The kingdom has to be built on righteousness and justice and truth. And Jesus came and he laid that foundation with his own life, he shed his own blood to lay that lasting foundation. And a foundation, of course, is the beginning, right? So he laid the foundation for the kingdom. He's building his kingdom. He's going to ultimately build his kingdom and he's gonna come back to do it. Let's never forget that, that Christ will come again. He is going to return. He didn't just come and die on the cross and rise again and ascend back to heaven to just, let you know, eons upon eons pass by. No, he has a plan to come back and to establish that kingdom. And I think that that time is drawing near. Of course, we don't know exactly when it might be, but it seems to me based upon all of the things in the world and the prophetic word and all of that, that it can't be all that far out into the future. I certainly do not think it's Going to in any way be as long as it's been since the Lord left. I think we're coming right down to the very end of the age. But know this that Christ will appear. And here's the promise when He appears, we will appear with Him in glory. You see, that's the beautiful thing. We're giving up our lives now and we're saving them for the future. And, but yet in the interim, it's not like we get nothing, we get Christ we have Christ. And there's nothing in the world that can compare to Christ. There's there's no amount of money. There are no possessions. There are no relationships with people. There's no position that you could hold that could even remotely compare to knowing Christ and living in relationship with him. And so he is going to appear and we will appear with him. And then we will live that life that best life. But for now, let's give ourselves entirely to him, to his plan, to his purpose. Let us be all about the things of the spirit. That's who we are. We're the people of God. We're the people of the spirit. Let's be all about the things of the spirit. Let's be all about the things of the kingdom. Let's be all about Christ. That's the best life there is, being all about Christ. Being all about Christ, he is our righteousness. He is our joy. He is our peace. He is our hope. He is our life. And if we know that, and if we are right in the midst of that, oh, how happy we will be. But let me just say this, there's so much work to still be done. The Lord is going to appear in his glory, but in the meantime, he wants to use us. But you know, he won't be able to use us if we're dabbling around with the stuff of the earth. If we're fixated on my own thing, or I want to do this, and I want to be popular with that group, or, any, you know, if, if that's, or I got to get those possessions, I've got to attain this. Let's let us let go of that and let the Lord put us where he wants us to be. Like I mentioned with Lilius Trotter and C.T. Studd, they could have gone on, the Lord could have led them to, Lilius Trotter could have become that world-renowned artist. Uh, C.T. Studd could have gone on his success as a cricketer and, and used that for the glory of God. That's possible too. But God had something else for them. Let's just make sure that we are our lives are hidden with Christ in God and whatever that looks like, let, let's let Jesus unfold that for us and we will know that that is the best there is. It doesn't get any better than that.
0: Of April, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled What God Has to Say About Our Bodies How the Gospel is Good News for Our Physical Selves by Sam Albury We live in a body that is subject to age, accidents and ailments Entire industries are built around the age of our body the accidents we may face and the ailments we eventually face through time and circumstance so is there a purpose in the bodily brokenness we are either facing or will face in the future? Is physical death the temporal climax of our bodily existence? Or is the body just a shell from which we are to ultimately escape? If you've ever wrestled with any of these questions, or you know someone who wants to know more about the ultimate purpose of the body, you need to get this month's resource from Back to Basics. The book, What God Has to Say About Our Bodies, How the Gospel is Good News for Our Physical Selves by Sam Albury, is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you,